Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Zwans, and today is the second Sunday of Easter, also known as Divine Mercy Sunday. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us call to mind our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Glory to God in the highest, and, and on earth, earth peace to people of goodwill. goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. God of everlasting mercy, who in the very recurrence of the Paschal Feast kindle the faith of the people you have made your own, increase, we pray, the grace you have bestowed, that all may grasp and rightly understand in what font they have been washed, by whose spirit they have been reborn, by whose blood they have been redeemed. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles The whole community remained faithful to the teaching of the Apostles, to the brotherhood, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. The many miracles and signs worked through the Apostles made a deep impression on everyone. The faithful all lived together and owned everything in common. They sold their goods and possessions and shared out the proceeds among themselves according to what each one needed. They went as a body to the temple every day, but met in their houses for the breaking of bread. They shared their food gladly and generously. They praised God and were looked up to by everyone. Day by day, the Lord added to their community those destined to be saved. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love is everlasting. Let the sons of Israel say, His love has no end. Let the sons of Aaron say, His love has no end. 
Let those who fear the Lord say, His love has no end. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love is everlasting. I was thrust down, thrust down and falling, but the Lord was my helper. The Lord is my strength and my song. He was my saviour. There are shouts of joy and victory in the tents of the just. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love is everlasting. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the work of the Lord, a marvel in our eyes. This day was made by the Lord. We rejoice and are glad. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love is everlasting. A reading from the first letter of St. Peter. Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his great mercy has given us a new birth as his sons, by raising Jesus Christ from the dead, so that we have a sure hope and the promise of an inheritance that can never be spoilt or soiled and never fade away, because it is being kept for you in the heavens. Through your faith, God's power will guard you until the salvation which has been prepared is revealed at the end of time. This is a cause of great joy for you, even though you may for a short time have to bear being plagued by all sorts of trials, so that, when Jesus Christ is revealed, your faith will have been tested and proved like gold. Only, it is more precious than gold, which is corruptible even though it bears testing by fire, and then you will have praise and glory and honour. You did not see him, yet you love him, and still without seeing him, you are already filled with a joy so glorious that it cannot be described, because you believe. And you are sure of the end to which your faith looks forward, that is, the salvation of your souls. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, Alleluia. You believe in me, Thomas, because you have seen me. Happy are those who have not seen me, but still believe. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. In the evening of that same day, the first day of the week, the doors were closed in the room where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them. He said to them, Peace be with you, and showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were filled with joy when they saw the Lord, and he said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so am I sending you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. For those whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven. For those whose sins you retain, they are retained. Thomas, called the twin, who was one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. When the disciples said, We have seen the Lord, he answered, Unless I see the holes that the nails made in his hands, and can put my finger into the holes they made, and unless I can put my hand into his side, I refuse to believe. Eight days later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. The doors were closed, but Jesus came in and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he spoke to Thomas. Put your finger here. Look, here are my hands. Give me your hand. Put it into my side. Doubt no longer, but believe. Thomas replied, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, You believe because you can see me. Happy are those who have not seen and yet believe. 
There were many other signs that Jesus worked and the disciples saw, but they are not recorded in this book. They are recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing this, you may have life through his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So the gospel we have for the second Sunday of Easter is the gospel we have every year. Whether we're in the A, B or C cycle of the lectionary, this is what we get. The gospel about Thomas's encounter with the risen Jesus. And I suppose in some ways it's fairly obvious the reason why we have this gospel each year, because it's kind of to the day. We start by hearing about Easter Sunday when Jesus first appears to the apostles, breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven. But Thomas isn't in the room. And Thomas says, unless I see the holes that the nails made in his hands and can put my finger into the holes they made, and unless I can put my hand into his side, I refuse to believe. And from there, the gospel says, eight days later. So... Eight days later, after Easter Sunday, leads us to this Sunday. And this time, Thomas is with the other apostles, and Jesus comes into their midst once more and says, Peace be with you. So if you like, we're kind of celebrating the anniversary of this great encounter and this moment of the profession of faith. But I feel a little bit sorry for Thomas. Because this gospel, we always call the gospel of doubting Thomas. And yet, the point about this gospel is not that Thomas doubted, but that Thomas believed. He makes the greatest and most revealing profession of faith when he says to Jesus, My Lord and my God, not only are you master and I disciple, you are the presence of God in our midst. A truly remarkable statement of faith. Now, the Apostle Thomas turns up in a couple of other points in the Gospels as well. If you remember, a few weeks ago, we had the reading about the raising of Lazarus from the tomb. And Jesus, having heard that Lazarus is sick, stays in Galilee for a couple of extra days and then says, let's go down south. And Thomas is the one who says, let us also go that we may die with him. The south is where Jesus' enemies are in the area around Jerusalem. And that's where Jesus is going to Bethany to help his friend Lazarus. And Thomas is the one with great courage who says, well, if Jesus is going into danger, we're going to go with him. So obviously, he's not a weak man. He's not a fence sitter. He's decisive. Now, there's a second point in John's Gospel where Thomas comes forward. If you remember, during Jesus' discourse with the disciples at the Last Supper, he says to his disciples, I'm going now to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be too, and you know the way to the place where I am going. And it's Thomas who jumps in and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus famously says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
I think there's something wonderfully honest there about Thomas in the moment that he speaks up because Jesus makes this presumption. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas here, he's humble enough to say, hang on a second, Lord, I, I don't. I don't know where you're going. And therefore, how can I possibly know the way? Now, if you stop for a moment and think about the kind of courage that it took to be able to admit your own ignorance in front of Jesus and all of the other disciples, my guess is that all the other disciples were thinking it. Thomas, he was the one who was brave enough and humble enough to admit what it would take for him to truly understand. We see this dynamic often enough in a class when the teacher says, anyone got any questions? What I've been talking about, who hasn't understood it? And sadly, it's rare for people to pop their hand up and say, you know, I'm one of the ones who doesn't get it. But that's Thomas. And maybe that helps us to understand a little bit of Thomas's reaction when the apostles come to him and say, well, we've seen the Lord and he's alive and well. That he doesn't simply take everything on face value or pretend like he understands what he doesn't. And so in this moment, I think he puts it out there what it would take for him to really understand what a risen Jesus means. He'd have to be most fully himself. There would have to be the sign that the one standing in front of me was the one who was nailed to the cross. A risen Jesus couldn't be a ghost. There'd have to be a body. And the body in front of me would have to be the body that was on the cross and therefore would have to have the signs of the cross. And that's what I want to see. And so on this eighth day after the resurrection, the Sunday after Easter Sunday, Jesus shows this sign of who he truly is, fully alive bearing the glorious wounds of the cross. The true indication that the empty tomb proclaims the fullness of life. In 2006, Pope Benedict dedicated a series of catecheses on Wednesdays to the apostles. And in speaking about Thomas the Apostle, he brings up this moment where Thomas set by the criteria by which he would come to believe that Jesus was risen from the dead. And, and this is what Pope Benedict said. He said, basically, from these words emerges the conviction that Jesus can now be recognized by his wounds rather than by his face. Thomas holds that the signs that confirm Jesus' identity are now, above all, his wounds, in which he reveals to us how much he loved us. In this, says Pope Benedict, the apostle is not mistaken. Now, I really like that because it gets at the heart of the matter. You can try to fool me with someone who looks like Jesus or who may be an imposter. The one thing that you can't counterfeit are his wounds, because his wounds are the outward signs of his love. And if I can see Jesus' love, I know that it's him because no one else can fake it. Because no one else can fake love like that. A love which would lay down his life for his friends. So how can I know that it's really Jesus? By coming into contact with his wounds. By seeing his merciful love. 
there's the source of faith. Now, I think it's easy for us to go, well, that's all good and well for Thomas. He got to stick his finger in Jesus' side. And I'd have the same kind of faith if I could do that too. But I think that's to misunderstand the point of the gospel here. When we hear the word faith, I think we sometimes have an idea that's a little bit too intellectual. That to have faith means to have gotten the right opinion about Jesus. To have faith means to believe that what's proposed about Jesus is true. But faith isn't just about what we think. Faith is also about how we live. And perhaps what we could do is substitute that word faith for the word trust. Now we can start to see that having come in contact with the wounds of Jesus, with the true and glorious signs of the depth of his great love for us, that this leads us not simply to have a different opinion, but to bring us to a new kind of life whereby we are able to entrust ourselves into the wounded hands of the one who will spend everything of himself for us. That's faith. So this Sunday gets called Divine Mercy Sunday. And it's something that uh, Pope John Paul II instituted a number of years ago in response to the great devotion to the Divine Mercy, which was promoted by St. Faustina Kowalska in Krakow in Poland. And the image that was produced of Jesus, the Divine Mercy, shows two beams of light coming from his heart, one red and one pale, symbolizing the blood and water which flowed forth from his heart at his crucifixion. And on his hands, you can see the wounds that the nails made. And at the bottom of the image is the phrase, the prayer, Jesus, I trust in you. Meeting the glorious wounds of Christ is the source of our trust in Jesus. Knowing Jesus' love, knowing his mercy, we know that our lives are safe in his wounded hands. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress. 
as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For For the the kingdom, kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now now and forever. Let us welcome Christ in our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that, as you did at Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God our Father.